almost to December. Maybe by the time you listen to this, we will be in December. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Susan and I were able to drive to Nashville or Brentwood, right outside of Nashville, and meet my grandson, my fifth grandchild for the first time, Joa, Matt and Alyssa's uh, new son. is only about a month old. Man, I, Psalm 112, I've prayed it over my family for years. Now, the Lord promises the generation of the upright will be blessed. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials, but we're going to enjoy ample blessings in life if we believe God and His promises are true, and we have certainly enjoyed that. Now, five grandkids deep, uh, but it was a great time. Uh, it was a horrible drive home because who in the world takes the interstate system on Sunday after Thanksgiving? It was insane. Ended up taking back roads through the mountains to avoid some of Interstate 81, but uh, 13 hours later, we finally made it home uh, Sunday night. So I hope you had a good time. I, I have been um, evaluating as we you know prep out 2022 for life on the verge and where we're going. And, I, I, you know, routine is very, very important. Um, you know, I hate to quote Frederick Nietzsche. I think he, he's a, kind of a weird atheist type guy. But he's, he, he, you know, godless people can say some wise things from time to time. And he, he said something like, uh, any man can, can bear the how if he knows the why. And as I'm sitting here and booking new prisons and looking at what it looks like an overwhelming task, you know, when we start at the beginning um, of all the things that we have to do uh, to get ready and get back on the road and bring something fresh uh, to the prisons. We'll be returning to some prisons we've been to before. And of course, the clientele, the audience is always rotating, but there will always be people that have seen us before. So we don't like to do a complete repeat. We like to introduce new teaching. We like to introduce new music. And, and then there's the RV maintenance and equipment maintenance and all the bookkeeping, good gracious, uh, that has to be done. And it just gets really, really overwhelming. There's a lot of of stuff that needs to be done, and it's like, okay, why? Why? What's the, what, let me drill down. What's the real why? What is the aspiration, the, the bottom line? You know, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, we may bring, I did that series, Living Life in Tune, where I used the guitar to talk about the different spheres of life, faith, fitness, family, finance, friendship, field of endeavor, meaning our work or our career, you know, trying to keep those things in tune, sing the song that God intended for us to sing. And I think that creates a great framework, really, for just bouncing around on this podcast from topic to topic. We could talk all the rest of my life on those subjects, and and uh, but bringing the, the general teaching uh, the, the practical part of it uh, to, to the inmates uh, and trying to help them with that. That, that. that may be what we use, but, you know, we talked about inevitably the strings are going to go out of tune on a guitar, and inevitably things are going to go out of tune in our lives. If we're, if we're, playing, if we're, if we're playing the guitar, it, but I talked about even environmental factors, just a guitar sitting can go out, of, strings can go out of tune. So we have to constantly check our tuning. And so this, you know, leads to the question, well, why worry about it? You know, why, 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 why am I here? And so I want to talk today about 
aspiration. Aspiration uh, is defined as a strong desire, longing, or aim, ambition. Uh, the definition says intellectual aspirations, but really, aspiration is the root of vision. I talk a lot about vision, getting a picture in your mind of a, of a preferred future, where you'd rather be, you know, where you want to be tomorrow, next month, next year. Uh, it's hard to set goals if you don't have vision. Well, even beyond vision or deeper than vision is this aspiration. Your aspiration is your purpose, your dream, your why. It, it is the goal, desire, or ambition that moves you to action. It's what you want to achieve, experience, or become. Uh, that last quote was from Giovanni Dienstman uh, from a book called Mindful Self-Discipline living with purpose and achieving your goals in a world of distractions. It's it's a good book, but let me warn you, this guy's not a Christian. He's all deep into lots of meditation and stuff. Oddly enough, he actually has an article on Christian meditation, which is valid, okay? But I'm, I'm not into all that Eastern stuff where we open ourselves up to Hindu gods and all that weirdness. But the Bible does tell us to meditate on God's Word, to, to you know, uh, meditate on the principles of God and, and to... St- be still and know that he is God. And, and so I got a book on the way called Christian Meditations because I have a hard time just sitting still and listening and trying to drill down and go, what's the why? What's the, what's the why? You, the, uh, this guy in, in the book Mindful Self-Discipline, he kind of clumps purpose, dream, goal, desire, and ambition all together. But what I'm referring to is the driver of all that. What is the driver of of my dream, my goals, my desires. What's the root? What's the ultimate why? You know, and you can look at it in things like say that, you know, the new year's coming and you want to lose 20 pounds. Well, that's a goal. You know, if you say I want to lose weight, that's that's not a specific enough goal. I want to lose 20 pounds by this date. That's a goal. The aspiration is the reason for the goal. I want to feel better. I want to have more energy is more like the root, the aspiration. The goal, I want to uh, have more money. Well, that's too general. Make it specific. I want to earn $1,000 more a month uh, by such and such a date. Why? Now we're drilling down to the aspiration and trying to define it as the best that we can. I want to earn $1,000 a month more to be more generous uh, or, or to provide a better car or home for my family. Um, just make sure... You know, as we set these goals, you know, one of the things that we're influenced by is society in general and our neighbor, uh, those around us. We're, we're very much steered sometimes. We see somebody else achieve something. It's okay to be inspired by that, but but don't, you know, make your life's work and the thing that you're pursuing to try to be what you think other people think you ought to be by the age you're at or, or whatever. Um, ask yourself, before you start out on a road to do something, is this something I'm doing to impress people? Is this something I'm doing to make a name for myself? Or is this something I'm doing because I really want to do it? I feel like this is why God made me. I feel like this is what I was created to do. Uh, so let's drill down on this, this route this root aspiration for all other aspirations. Why try to stay in tune? You know, why pursue a vision to do something? Um, let's think of it as our life purpose. 
You know, it's no wonder that the best-selling Christian book of all time, other than the Bible, of course, is Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. People want to know their purpose. Why am I here? It's a con- it's a common question. Uh, why even uh, get up in the morning if I don't know why? Why would I put gas in the tank if I don't know where the car is going? Why should I even keep trying? Why? And a lot of times when you ask that question, when I ask that question, what we're saying is, what is God's will for my life? I've heard that question so many times through the years. What is God's will for my life? To some degree, we're still asking, what's my purpose? Why was I created? Why am I here or why am I still here? And we can answer it in general terms. We can say, well, you're here to give God glory. You're here to be a light in this dark world. You're here to take care of your family. Um, that's really general, and I would hope that whatever our aspirations are, that that's, that's part of our purpose, right? But that's too broad for me. I want to drill down and evaluate my gifts, my experiences, my current opportunities, uh, my desires, what I really want to do. And man, I'm going to tell you, it's a struggle for me to not be steered by what I see around me and what other people are doing and be influenced by that and start off trying to do something because I see somebody else did this or accomplished this. And again, it's okay to be inspired, but sometimes we can be too influenced influenced by that. If I back away from all the, you know, it's there's there's definitely validity in fasting from social media, fasting from the news, and fasting from all those, and quieting our, our soul, and really going, you know, what, what, is, what is it I want to do? What brings me pleasure? That's not being selfish if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, and your ultimate goal is to bring Him glory with your life through whatever you do. We want to know why. Henry David Thoreau, famous quote, said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation, and they go to the grave with the song still in them. Man, I want to unpack everything that God has put in me as we move into this new year. Uh, I want to know why book a new tour? Why do all this work? What's, what's the root uh, that's going to drive this, that I can keep coming back to and saying, this is why. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Sometimes we just go through the motions without examining things. We just keep driving without making sure the GPS hasn't gone out of whack. Man, I've seen that a couple of times. You know, We travel a lot and, uh, and I, I use Google, I use MapQuest, old school, it's still pretty decent sometimes, and I use uh, Waze. Uh, I use all three of them sometimes. Sometimes I'll run two at one time. I'll definitely bounce back and forth because one will take you a roundabout way. Sometimes, if I look at it, I realize that the people at Waze and the people at MapQuest and the, the people at Google don't know a shortcut that I know. I know a better way than the GPS. Sometimes we don't stop and evaluate. We just, we just operate on autopilot. So I read this book um, by Giovanni Dienstman, I think it's pronounced, called Mindful Self-Discipline. And I would recommend the book, um, but I would read it through the screen of Jesus uh, because uh, this guy is, I don't think he's a Christian, but, you know, he's, he does, he talks a 
I think there's a chapter or so on meditation, and he doesn't go too deep on it. Uh, I think he quotes Jesus, but he quotes all these other, you know, crazy folks um, in the Eastern religion and stuff too. But, you know, he, he's got something to say. And yet the way that I look at that is, I, I'm, you know, when I go to a physical doctor, um, if he's a Muslim, well, that's unfortunate. Are you a good doctor? Are you good at, at doing this thing that needs to be done in my body? That's what I want to know. And so when I read a book like that, um, you know, I, I'm like, well, this guy has studied this idea of self-discipline. Let me see what he has to say about it. This is his forte. He's written this 200 or 450-page book on it. I can read it and not agree with him uh, when it comes to matters of faith. So anyway, I want to quote some of the book here because I think it's pretty good. He says, we all have deep aspiration inside of us waiting to be discovered, owned, and realized. There is big pain in not living out living our life in accordance with that higher purpose. But most of us are out of touch with that. We are distracted from that pain and thus from the fuel. By the busyness of our daily lives and the instant gratification of food, the internet, games, sex, money, and other things. As a result, we are living life on the surface. Now, that's, that's true, no matter what your faith is. That's very true. We're distracted and, and we're not living out our higher purpose that God created us for sometimes. The more ex- on with this quote, the more existential aspiration is usually related to some deeper pain we carry, often from early life experience, two, an expression of our core values and drives in life, three, the result of years of accumulated life experiences and insights, Four, inspired by someone we admire or an ideal that moves us. This is where those deeper aspirations come from. Uh, Some people say, this is him quoting again, some people say it's hard to figure out what this deep aspiration is. But from my years of self-development and coaching, I can tell you this, we often already know what it is. Perhaps we're just not paying attention or we are avoiding looking because we are afraid that we'll find it will require too much change or that we won't like it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um you know, we, we sometimes we avoid it because it looks like it's going to be too much work, too much change, and we just put life on autopilot. So as I look at that and I start to examine as we move forward into a new year with a bunch of work in front of us, um, why? Why? What is the deeper aspiration? You know, and, and I like he says, sometimes we already know it. And I move so fast sometimes, doing so many different things. Um, later in this series, I'll probably talk about the book One Thing by Gary W. Keller. It's a book I highly, highly recommend. It's one of those ones. You know what I do? I'll buy a book on Kindle, and I'll read it. And if it really is a good one, about one out of every 50 books, I'll end up buying the print copy as well because I know I'm going to want to reread it. And uh, this is a book I read some years ago, and now I'm rereading it again. Uh, just it, It's a good book about, you know, not multitasking, focusing on the most important thing. Uh, but I also have another book called uh, Your One Word by a guy named Evan Carmichael. And 
you know, don't tell me internet marketing doesn't work because I ran across this guy on Instagram and uh, he had an ad for his book and I, I glanced at it. I think I glanced at it on Kindle and I thought that's pretty good and I went ahead and ordered it. And the idea was to He's talking about businesses and that kind of thing. It's it's a motivational book. A matter of fact, the subtitle is The Powerful Secret to Creating a Business and Life That Matters. He talks about trying to, to find one word that that encapsulates is that the right word? <laughs> one word that this this is this is why this business exists. The, you know, and and we, we looked at that and said, well, life on the verge. Is there one word? That we could say that this is what this this kind of everything falls under the umbrella of this one word, and we did a little discussion about it. And Susan and I talked a lot about well, you know, our goal is to inspire others, and so I think we came up with the word spark or something, and uh, it didn't really catch on. Uh, it, it it you know I I don't know I I, I looked at. Life on the Verge as, you know, more than just a prison ministry. We This podcast goes beyond the prison ministry, and we speak in churches, and we put music out to the general public and, and that kind of thing, and wrote a book that was put out to everyone, and all with the goal of inspiring people. But that word spark never quite caught on. Well, even as I was reflecting this week in Nashville, we're coming up if we didn't hit it already, on the on the 10-year anniversary of Life on the Verge. And, you know, I was away from my computer. I didn't take my computer with me. I didn't take a guitar with me. I mean, my son's got guitars. I noodled for a minute. But I didn't take anything work-related at all. So for four days, I'm, I'm kind of at my son's house and uh, not doing a whole lot. First Thanksgiving, maybe in my whole adult life that I didn't watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade or any football at all. Is that crazy? Uh, my son's not into football. He didn't have cable, and we were doing other things, and didn't happen. So as I was kind of quieting my soul, I was reading this book on mindful self-discipline, which took me back to the book, The One Thing, and just really trying to you know contemplate the future, the why, and that kind of thing. I started. Yeah, I looked at what uh, Giovanni has to say in in the book about meditation, and I thought, well, meditation is a biblical word. We're we're called to meditate on the Word of God and the things of God, and and so I said, well, you know, I think there's a way that we can you know, meditation in general, just quiet, getting quiet in a room, and maybe paying attention to your breathing and focusing on a thought, and uh, just slowing down, and so. I don't know if I did it at my, my son's house, but I thought about it a lot. Um, I think I did it when I first got home. Uh, the next morning, I got up. I said, you know, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to go in a room. I'm going to quiet my soul, and <clears throat> I'm not going to rattle on my normal prayer life, um, just all the things I want God to do and praising Him with all the Christian cliches. I'm just going to sit quietly, you know, in a comfortable position, close my eyes. I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And the word that came to mind was mercy. And as I breathed in, I just kind of envisioned breathing in the mercy of God. And as I breathed out, extending that mercy of God to other people. A light went off. That took me back to when Susan and I first launched Life on the Verge. She was still working a retail job. I was traveling 
here and there, stayed in hotels, stayed in my van, stayed in a tent, slept on a church floor, doing whatever, getting out there on the road, finding a mentor that was showing me, you know, how to do things and getting things set up with the IRS and all that. It finally came crunch time to where our lease was up. Are we going to do this or not? Are we going to move into a camper? Is Susan going to leave her job? Are we going to take the risk? No medical benefits? Are we going to, are we going to do this? Well, we got away for a weekend, and we made up our mind on the Friday of that weekend, we were going to fast the entire day. And that evening, we were going to get alone separately in rooms, and we were going to pray. We were going to read the Word. We were just going to try to hear what God was saying, and then we were going to come together and compare notes. Well, we did that. I think it was August 2011, so it's been 10 years. And uh, and we both, the word mercy just came to the surface. Susan came across scriptures and she shared them, you know, about the mercies of the Lord being new every morning. And, and uh, you know, the word that God brought to my mind over and over uh, you know, is in Romans, I think it's 12, 1, that this t- talks about in view of God's mercy. And mercy just seemed to be like the word. We flip on the TV and not one, but two, no, not one, not two, but three TV preachers we're all talking about mercy, different channels, different times, mercy. And so it was like, you know what? Mercy is the motive. That's what it's got to be. Yeah, I love playing music for people so much that I knew my motives could be selfish ambition and all that. And I, I didn't trust that. I knew that I love, you know, getting in front of people and teaching and preaching and them receiving that and feeling like I'm doing something significant. But it had to go deeper than that. And it, it was mercy. Mercy has to be the motive. And uh, mercy, I, mean, I did a study on it. I'm going to do a new study on it. But mercy means kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted. That the biblical definition. Join with a desire to relieve them, a readiness to help those in trouble, specifically of God granting even to the unworthy favor, benefits, opportunities, and particularly salvation by Christ. God shows us mercy, and therefore, we're to show others mercy. And so, man, this has just been a fresh revelation for me, and I want you to have fresh revelation like that. If it means getting alone in a room, you know, don't cry out to the, the Hindu gods or Buddha. Cry out to Jesus and, and just sit there quietly and see what he might whisper to you. Maybe there is one word. Maybe there is a phrase. Maybe there is something that just becomes the why of your life. You know, our, our goal with... with um, Life on the Verge is to give the people that deserve, the, to give the most to those who deserve the least. They certainly haven't earned our coming there and all the work it takes and all the dollars that people donate for us to be there. They haven't earned that. That's coming from people that understand I've received the mercy of God after all I've done. After all, you know, some of you have fallen more than others. I have, uh, not just what I what I did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but what I did yesterday, what I did earlier today, God extends his mercy. He doesn't just forgive me, but he gives me favor and blessing. And in the face of that, man, how can I not show mercy to other people? So that excites me because I, I can say, here's that one word that's been with us since the beginning. And I want you to experience that too with why do you go to work every day? Why do you want to earn more money? Why do you want more status? Why do you write songs or books or why? What's the, what's the deeper why? I believe God has a word for all of us. 
You know, we see that in, in the, you know, the Apostle Paul, he knew what his ambition was. It was to preach the gospel to people that hadn't heard it yet. You know, that was his ambition. It wasn't to stay in one place. And so what is your aspiration? What is that root thing that drives everything? I'm going to give you 16 questions um, that uh, that might help you out. I'm going to read through them real quick. And these come from Giovanni Dienstman's book, uh, Mindful Self-Discipline. And again, I, I, I offer that I recommend that with the caveat that don't expect a lot of Christian revelation. I think like he does quote Jesus, but but he has some some pretty decent ideas. It's not a book on meditation, though he has written a lot on that topic. It's a book on self-discipline, mindful self-discipline. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting here, just, just how important this kind of thing is, guys. Listen, if you don't journal, please do yourself a favor. Even if it's only for seasons and you put it down, there's been times when I journaled, especially when I first started doing it, and then I didn't write in it for three weeks or a couple of months, and then I picked it back up, and and I kept that book, and now I write in it almost for years. I've written in it almost every day. I've developed the habit of reading the Word and prayer and journaling every morning, and uh, it's it's a great, great way to look back and see where my mind was, what I was dealing with, to look at the ebb and flow of seasons, and and I have to find that time, despite all the busyness of things that are going on that have to be done, I have to find that time to just back up, sit on the floor with my journals scattered everywhere, read through some old notes, read books, just really quiet my soul and and try to hear from God the best that I can. There's always a level of uncertainty, so I'm, we're not talking about... Um, you know, we've got to by faith say, this is what I know, and this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm wrong, Lord, blow the whistle. You know, if I'm out of bounds, I trust you. Your your peace will guide me. Um, I, but anyway, so I, I, I randomly, I, I forgot about this book. This is just how God works when we, when we do that. And I want you to consider spending some time as we enter this busy holiday season. Maybe it won't be till January you can do it, but the sooner the better as you move into a new year to find some time to really reflect. Look at look at how God's used you in the past. Look at the experiences. Look at the opportunities and make notes and, and uh, maybe read a book or two that can help. Stay in the Word. Maybe some Christian meditation. But Because listen how this works. So I got this big stack on my bookshelf of uh, random books. You know, I use all kind of sketch pads and things like that when I'm trying to write out ideas and things. There's on my bookshelf, just a pile of this, these kind of spiral-bound books, and not not my personal journals, but there's there's some other books you know that I've written in, and uh, I write a lot. I write my ideas out, pros and cons of decisions, and all that stuff. And uh, I I ran across this really thick, hardbound, pretty cool journal that I I did I totally forgot about. But when we left. Uh, Lighthouse Worship Center, I think it's known as Lighthouse, Lighthouse now. Uh, we were the youth pastors of The Verge. That's where we got life on The Verge, by the way. The Verge is what we named the youth group, and it was a thriving youth group. We had a killer volunteer staff, and uh, we were leaving with the intent of planning a church in Charlottesville, and the Lord redirected our paths. That's another story altogether. Um, but in this journal, different young people that we had ministered to wrote goodbyes. And and I read one that brought me to tears, and I'm not a super sentimental guy, 
But as I was reading it, it said, and I'm not saying this to boast in ourselves. I'm saying how God works when we quiet ourselves down a little bit. I didn't even know this book was there. So I picked it up and I opened up one of the first entries from a girl that I won't name. She's doing really well in life now, married and got a great job and just doing life well. I think she's had a baby, um, doing fantastic. Uh, but she wrote, this girl, by the way, was a wild child. I mean, she was out on the fringe, boy crazy, always getting into a mess. And, uh, and she wrote, I don't exactly know where to start, but I just want you want to say thank you for everything. Susan, for always being welcoming and accepting me into your home. You've been such a blessing. Pastor Mark, I know you've watched me grow up and you've seen me fall time and time again, but you never made me feel like an outcast. You constantly were encouraging. I have never gotten more knowledge from any preacher. Even though I didn't listen to everything you told us as teenagers, I heard every word. The biggest thing I learned from you was to never stop trying even after you fall. You have impacted my life more than you will probably ever know. Thank you so much for all your effort and never giving up on us. I love you guys so much and will miss you greatly. And I don't say that again to boast in us, but I say that to say, man, God just brought some clarification to exactly what we're trying to do. And, and that is to, you know, to, when she said, you never made me feel like an outcast. I, that was just naturally, or maybe supernaturally, what our intention was. You know, God doesn't make me feel like an outcast. Yes, people can aggravate us and they're undeserving of grace. They're undeserving of mercy. But I got to reflect on the mercy and grace that God has shown me. And so that really is what drives life on the verge is to give those that deserve it the least the best that we can offer them, you know. Uh, and, and so I want you to experience that and I, to, to, to have maybe a word or a phrase that drives, you know, answers the why. And it's, it, it, it's going to be different than, than other folks. It's going to be different than me. It may not be the word, I mean, mercy is part of your life, but it may not be the driving thing. It doesn't have to be this deep spiritual word or phrase, you know. Um, but really, I think if you get along with God, He's going to give you a word. If you really quiet your soul in, in the coming days as we head into the new year and and ba- examine, you know, what, what you've done and what God's allowed you to do and your your opportunities that are in front of you and and ask, Lord, why? Why am I here? Why did you create me? And What's what's going to be the driving aspiration, the root, as I move forward in the new year? Uh, I'm going to give you these 16 questions. It's going to require me to go over time. This is from uh, Giovanni Deanstman's book. Uh, again, I, I I guess I recommend that book with heavy um, a heavy caveat that he is not a believer, but he does have some good things to say. Um, he talks a little bit about meditation in that book, but he is he talks a lot about meditation in another book. Um, but on this topic of of trying to find our, our root aspirations, I think he kind of hits the nail on the head with a few of these questions. Sixteen questions. Ready? I'm going to go real fast. Number one, how do you spend most of your time apart from work? This is trying to discover our root aspirations, looking for clues. Number two, where do you spend most of your money apart from life essentials? Number three, in what area of your life are you naturally most focused, reliable, or disciplined? Number four, what do you think about, desire, and dream about? 
Number five, what do you love to learn, read about, and explore? Number six, what inspires you the most? Number seven, what types of injustices really piss you off? Number eight, what virtues do you admire the most? Number nine, what do people who know you well say that you were born to do? Number 10, fast forward your life 10 years and look back. You are proud of achieving this one thing. What is that? Number 11, think of three peak experiences in your life when you were at your best. What was going on at the time? What values were you living? Number 12, what relationships or people have most influenced your sense of purpose? How have they inspired you? Number 13, if you have If you had unlimited resources of time and money, what would you set out to do? Number 14, if your efforts could not fail, what would you choose to do, be, have, or achieve? Number 15, if you had only two years to live, what would be the most important thing you would do in that time? Number 16, Suppose every experience of your life, including all your failures and successes, was planned to train you for your destiny. What has your whole life prepared you to do? Man, you could almost do a podcast on all 16 of those questions. There's some good stuff there. And if you'd like me to email those to you, just hit me up or you can check out uh, Giovanni's book. Um, But I, I bear witness with a lot of those as we discovered, you know, we look at what we do in prison ministry, that last one, how your life experiences, failures, and successes kind of were a training and how it all came together to prepare us to do what we're doing today. There's no doubt about it. Even though sometimes uh, I'm like Ezekiel and I go do what God told me to do with bitterness of spirit uh, because I'm not a bleeding heart, all the poor guys in prison because he murdered three people. What do you expect? His, his shoes were tied too tight when he was a child. I don't buy into that crap, um, but I do know that God has given me mercy and I have to extend that mercy to others. Anyway, I hope that helps you. Let's go on this journey together of trying to dig down and discover the why. Why am I here? What's the deep aspiration or aspirations that push me, propel me, motivate me, inspire me to keep moving? God bless you. Hope you got something out of that. Amen. Sometimes fallen angels fly I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.